Uh, just as an overview, just as a premise, I'm going to talk about how life is both spiritual and uh, physical. And we have to be skilled in both areas. Uh, we can't be uh, skilled spiritually and not be skilled physically, not be skilled physically and, uh, and then lack spiritually. Uh, we, we've got to be able to be both. Uh, be uh, strong in both areas. And uh, I just want to just say, it's, it's so interesting to me on oftentimes how there seems to be a polarization. There are sometimes where people are so spiritual, but in the physical world, they uh, are handicapped. Um, they're just not effective. Uh, but then you flip the coin... Uh, and it happens in the opposite direction as well. Uh, you know, I've, I've often thought uh, there's some people that overemphasize the devil. You know, everything's the devil. If they get a red light, it's the devil. If it's raining, it's the devil. It's, it doesn't, it, everything is the devil. And then there's times where nothing is the devil. And so where is the truth? And, and I, if you're going to write something down, write this down. Always take your enemy serious. Always take him serious. Here's the reality. Uh, in the scriptures it says this. In 1 Peter chapter uh, 5 verse 8 it says, Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He literally just prowls around. I know the verse is about a lion, but just because I uh, want to just make a parallel using a vulture for a second. Because on the way to church this morning, I saw a carcass uh, laying in the middle of the road and these vultures were circling around. And they were dipping down. Um, and that's what vultures do all day long is, is they look for dead and they look for weak and they prey upon it. Um, and that is exactly what the enemy does. It looks for uh, spiritually dead people and it looks for weak people and it preys upon it. If, if your marriage is weak, I want to encourage you to stay very alert because the enemy looks for weak. Uh, if you're tired... I often say that, uh, that HALT is an acronym. Hurt, angry, lonely, or tired. If you're ever hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, trust me, the enemy is lurking. He is, he is crouching. Uh, he is looking to devour. Um, he is constantly in that mode of trying to attack. Now, in the Bible, there was a guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the uh, king of Persia. And his people, Nehemiah's people, were living in Jerusalem. And the walls around Jerusalem were broken down, leaving them very exposed uh, to the attack of the enemy. And so he went to the king of Persia and he said, uh, With your permission, sir, I would like to go to Jerusalem and lead them and help them rebuild. And so the king nominated him as governor and sent him back. And so when he began to rally the people, 
he was abundantly clear that they had to build a certain way. You don't just start grabbing bricks and start throwing them around. Uh, if you ever loaded a U-Haul or a rider truck, you don't just take boxes and throw them in there. Uh, it's like a puzzle. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, there's a hole. Stick a box in there. And put, you know, we got to put the refrigerator here. And you got to put the, the mattress. The mattress is a very important piece. Because wherever the mattress goes, it holds all the boxes that you don't think are going to stay. Are you with me? It, it's like a, a strategy to, uh, to, to loading a U-Haul. But there was also a strategy towards building the wall. And, and this is how he told them to build. He said it like this in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans, because enemies wanted to come keep them from building the wall, knew of their plans, and that God had frustrated them. See, that's what I like. If I were to preach another message, I would preach on how God will frustrate The people that are against you. The Bible says that those who please the Lord, he will make even their enemies to be at peace with them. Well, well. If there's not a reason to please God except for that. Are you with me? All of a sudden the neighbor down the street is like, hey. What's wrong with that guy? He usually is like egging my house in the middle of the night. That's what happens. And so the, 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 uh, we all returned to our work on the wall. Verse 16. But from then on, watch this, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and another hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. So what he's saying here is, is he goes, look, we're going to rebuild, but we've got to get good at doing two things at one time. I need you to build with one hand and hold a sword with another hand. I, I need you to think in two directions. And again, just to circle back around on the premise the summary of this morning's message is to be able to hold a sword with one hand and to be able to work with another, to be able to be strong spiritually and strong physically at the same time. Now, uh, we have got two points this morning. There's only two, and both of them start with O. And so hopefully that will help you remember. The first uh, point is opposition. The second point is going to be opposite. Opposition and opposite. So I'm going to talk about opposition first. In any time you build anything, there's always an opposition. And we've got to have the skill of being comfortable with controversy. 
There's constantly, anytime you build anything, whether it's a family, a business, a garage, it doesn't matter if you're raising a son, if you're trying to build character, if you're raising a daughter, it does not matter. If you feel called, if you are responsible for building, I don't care if it's a project at work, even if you're building Legos, I promise you about five times you won't be able to find a certain piece. If you try to build a puzzle, you will not be able to find the eye of the panda for at least an hour. It doesn't matter what you build. There will be opposition. So here comes Nehemiah. He's going to build. And now he's got opposition after opposition. He's got opposition with the people that he's trying to help. Have you ever tried to help somebody? And they're not helping you help them? Have you ever wanted to back up and go, look, this isn't my problem. I'm good. I'm trying to help you. Don't fight me. They're like, my son refuses to let me tie his shoes. He's six years old. He insists that he's going to tie his own shoes. His knot is this big. And it comes apart before he gets out the door. I'm like, Luke, I've been tying shoes before you were born. Nope, 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 nope. I'm like, all right, whatever. Whatever. It's just like, okay, look, listen to me. It does not matter what you build. There's constantly going to be opposition and trouble. I had a a mentor in my life tell me, Frankie, if you're going to be a leader, you have to have a heart of a child and the skin of a rhino. It does not matter what you lead. You can be a mother leading children. You can be an administrative assistant in an office. You have to have a heart of a child. In the skin of a rhino. You say, why the skin of a rhino? Because life is rough. Life is rough. Nehemiah told him to hold a sword for a reason. Life is rough. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. Do not think it strange when fiery darts of trials come your way. Fiery. I like, I like Peter. He says fiery darts. Has anyone here ever seen a movie where some guy gets shot in the rear end with an arrow? And what do they do? Da! And they fall on the ground and they got an arrow sticking out of their rear end. You can recover from an arrow. But a fiery arrow? That's a whole different ball game. That's what Peter's saying. Look, when there's, there's troubles, and then there's troubles. And when these troubles, the fire arrows come, don't think it's strange. You should say, this is about par for the course. Here's another parallel that I'll share about what life is like, controversy is like, opposition is like. Has anyone here ever ridden the Texas Cyclone at Astroworld? If you haven't ridden the Texas Cyclone, you're going to live a little bit longer than the rest of us. (laughs) The Texas Cyclone is 
a roller coaster. So for those of you that haven't ridden the ro- a, a Texas Cyclone, um, it's, it just think about a roller coaster and then make it more dangerous and you'll almost be there. I've ridden the Texas Cyclone. Raise your hand if you have decided you will never ride a roller coaster again. Ever, ever, ever. Raise your hand. Go ahead. Put it up. Put it up. The Texas Cyclone is no longer available. They have shut the whole park down. And they should have. The Texas Cyclone is the largest wooden roller coaster in the country. And it was held together with duct tape super glue and nails that were not sold at Home Depot. I don't, they're just, they're just mangled. And when the cart comes around, the whole... And when you're riding, you will start asking God to forgive you for things that you forgot you did. Dear God, please. And for those of you that like roller coasters and you think, oh, I would like the Texas Cyclone. There's roller coasters and then there's the Cyclone. The Cyclone was dangerous. Who was the guy? Marvin Zindler. The Lord rest his soul. For those of you that didn't grow up in the Houston area, Marvin Zindler would come up to restaurants and find slime in the ice machine and put it on the news. He was the one that kept all the Chinese restaurants straight. Marvin Zindler is in heaven somewhere. If there was slime in the ice machine, he would catch them. I believe that it was Marvin Zindler that went to the Texas Cyclone, kicked it, and went, no, sir, and had that thing shut down. When you're on it, it's like, wham, wham. This is life. Is this life? This is life. You know what I love about uh, roller coasters? It's just when you think, oh, oh, I haven't got a red light in hours. Oh, it's so pretty today. There's no pollen in the air. You hear this. You're, you, know, you know that sound when you're on a roller coaster and you hear, it's real quiet. And what do you think? Oh, God. Oh, God. See, if you've never been on a roller coaster, you don't know what I'm talking about. That sound means, oh, we're about to get you and then there's like this one moment of Selah right before they, it's like you get to the top and you're like, oh, I can see so far. There's moments on a roller coaster that's actually fun where you're like, ooh, raise your hands, it's fun. 
And then there's the moment of reality. And then when you get off, they took pictures of you. And you come to them and they take pictures of you and your face is like. And it's almost, there should be a caption. This is what your face looks like when your heart stops beating for five seconds. (laughs) This is life, isn't it? It's like, oh, this is so, this is so good. Oh, this is so nice. I just got a new job. I've been praying for a new job. What happened? I met my boss. Ah! Met my boss. Peter says this, don't think it's strange. This isn't strange. When Nehemiah showed up to rebuild the temple, he's like, he was, he was comfortable with controversy. He was comfortable with controversy. You got to just get comfortable with it. You just get, I know what that means. You just get, you learn to ride. You know, if, if you're in a marriage this morning and you think, you don't know what my marriage is like, it's like, all of our marriages are like that. You don't have a bad marriage, you have a marriage. They're all like that. God, look, I love you. So, no, I love you. No, I love you. life. It's life. We have to handle controversy. If, if Nehemiah was going to quit his job the minute controversy came, we would have had problems. There has to be a few things in life that you're committed to. That you refuse, I will quit a lot of things. I will quit diets. I will buy a membership at a gym and only go once. There's a lot of things that I will quit. But there's certain things I will never quit. And there needs to be about three of them. That when you're 95 years old, you turn around and you look back and you say, this, my friends, I did not quit. It does not matter what victory you want. Commitment is the first virtue and route to victory. It doesn't matter what victory. If you want to lose 40 pounds, commitment is required. If you want to reboot your marriage, commitment is required. If you want to graduate college, commitment is required. If you want to own the company that you work for, commitment is required. Commitment is always the first virtue. It's always the first virtue. And so when opposition comes, there's a commitment check. In basketball, there's a term called heat check. A guy will make two or three in a row and then he'll shoot a shot that you think, what were you thinking? You weren't even open. And then the announcer says, that, my friends, was a heat check. He wanted to find out how hot he was. He thought he was on fire and then he missed. Well, I guess I'm not that hot. There's a commitment check in everything you start. There's always one. I want to share this as well. Not only is there always opposition, but there's opposites. Opposition and opposites. The skill of using opposite hands. The skill of using opposite hands. If Brother Dwayne could help me real quick, please. 
When Nehemiah met with these, uh, these people in Jerusalem, these Jews, he, he said to him, and in fact, I'll give you the, the sheath. And he, when he met with them, he said, okay, guys, if we're going to build this wall, I want everybody here to have a trowel. And this trowel, am I saying that right? Denise, am I saying that right? Thank you. It's so glad to have you back. This trowel, because you scoop up the cement and you put it down and then you stack a brick. You scoop up a cement. But he says, but Nehemiah is saying this, don't get so caught up in your work that you're focusing on your work. Don't do that. You got to be good at your work. But don't get so caught up in your work that you're using both hands to do it. You're using both mind hemispheres, brain hemispheres to do it. Don't get swallowed up in it. You got to be good at it. Otherwise, you're leaving yourself exposed. But don't get so caught up in it that you forget that there is an enemy around the corner. But don't start getting so ready for the enemy that a year later, your life is right where it was. You got to learn how to do both at the same time. Now, you're going to have opposition. We got that. We got that clear. What's point number two? You better learn how to do both. So you trowel, sword, sword, trowel, trowel, sword. You got to learn how to do both. You know, every once in a while, uh, some of you ladies will need to have a heart-to-heart with one of your lady friends. You say, honey, I know you want to get married, but you got to stop praying for a man. Because all you're doing is praying for a man. What you need to do, girlfriend, is you need to start brushing your teeth. I know, I know, I know, I know you want to go natural. But baby, don't give him all natural. You need to do your hair. Stop coming out the door like this. This isn't good. Well, he needs to love me like I am. Well, see, that's the problem. That's the problem. You need to tell, I'm not changing for no man. Well, okay. Okay. Whenever you're praying, just mention that to the Lord. Lord, I'm praying for a guy that I don't have to change for. He wants me just like I am. My pasty breath. Hey, hey, I'm not, if I feel like brushing my teeth, I'll brush my teeth. But if I got butter teeth, I got butter teeth. You, look here, girlfriend. You, you need to do what you need to do. You know, there's a responsibility on our end in life. And we got to get good at this trial thing. We got to get good at using this. There's our responsibility. Uh, I have this certain relationship in my life uh, that this week, every time this relationship would come to my mind, uh, I would feel myself uh, 
get stressed out about it. I'd feel myself get discouraged about it. I'd feel myself get down, get depressed about it. And, and I'd start thinking, that's the devil. That's the devil coming against me. That's the devil coming against me. That's the devil coming against me. Have you ever had a stressful relationship and you try to block it out of your mind, but you just can't get it out of your mind and you're talking to that person in your head while you're in the car and they're not in the car? Do you know what I'm saying? The Bible says something very interesting about that. It says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 34. Don't turn there in your Bibles. Just write it on your notes. Read it when you get home. The Bible says that those who don't forgive, tormentors will be released. I thought to myself, I'm going to think I'm being tormented. When you're thinking about the same person over and over and over again, and you've got stress with them, you've got anger towards them, you've got disappointment towards them, maybe they've hurt you. I just want you to know that tormentors are held back in your life. They can't get you. It's like having 15 pit bulls on 15 leashes. They're held back. They can't get you. But if you read that passage when you get home, people who do not forgive, the tormentors are let loose. And they're coming after you. And you will think about that person, be mad at that person. And you'll say out loud, I don't care about them. Well, if you don't care about them, why are you thinking about them so much? Because you're tormented. So, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I think I'm being tormented. Now, what are we going to do here? Now, Frankie has a responsibility. Frankie has a responsibility. I can't just spiritualize my way through this thing. See, the devil is not always the problem. Sometimes I'm the problem. Have you ever met somebody where it's always the devil? Well, it's the devil. It's the devil. It's the devil. Yeah, the devil made me do it. (laughs) Say what? The devil made me do it. Hold on. The devil made you punch a yipper. Uh-uh. Here's the reality on the devil. Uh, Some people think that it's always the devil. And some people think it's never the devil. I want to tell you this. Always respect the devil and leave it at that. And realize that in order to handle your enemy, you got to be able to handle the sword and the trial at the same time. Circling back around to me, I realize that, man, I've got unforgiveness in my heart. Dear God, I am so sorry that my mind and my attitude and my thoughts towards this person has been so bad. Do you see what I'm talking about? I've got a responsibility. If me and my wife are in a rough patch, I can't go pray and say, God, you see how holy I am and how dumb she is. You can clearly see that. I got to look back and say, what's my responsibility here? What do I I need to do here? So that's the trowel. The sword at the same time is to be able to back up and to realize that there are battles that are the Lord's and it's not yours. That you are fighting against flesh and blood. And the better we learn how to wield this thing. Let me give you three ways to battle with the sword. Number one is that you stay with your tribe. 
when Nehemiah was talking to the people in, in Jerusalem, he told them very clearly, everybody man your post. Nobody was allowed to go out and go wandering around. Do I feel like eating a bear and I'm going to go hunt a bear and nobody's going to tell me I can't hunt a bear. I'm the man of my house. I'll do what I want to do and I'll come when I want to come. Nehemiah is saying, no, everybody man your post. Stay together. When we all feel like eating bear, we'll all go get bear. What am I trying to say? Don't go wandering around away from the flock. Your closest friends ought to be believers of God. This house of God, I understand that nobody's going to be able to come 52 Sundays out of 52 Sundays. I'm not even talking, that's not the point. The point is, is that you should have your seat, that this is your spot. And when you show up to church and somebody's in your spot, it's like, you're in my spot. I'm going to let you have it today, but that's my spot. You need to have your spot. You are a regular in the house of God. You are a regular worshiper. You don't leave the flock. You stay close to the flock. Number two on how to battle is that you keep your relationship with God. You never stop praying. If you just cussed somebody out and now you're feeling guilty, don't let the enemy tell you that you have to go 48 hours of no praying Because you were just so sinful that you don't deserve to pray. That's the enemy. Has anyone ever thought that? Well, I've just messed up so bad now. I've just, you wait for yourself to no longer feel guilty before you start praying again. No, as soon as you get done acting like a dummy, you start praying right away. You're always praying, always praying. So you're working with the trowel and you're praying. You're working with the trowel, you're praying. You work at a snow cone stand, you're praying. You're an accountant, you're praying. Everything you're doing, you're praying. And you get good at you using both and you never drop one without the other. Don't get swallowed up working. Nothing gets your exclusive attention. Nothing gets your exclusive attention. You never leave home without it. I'd like to share just a few more thoughts. The more you build, the more you'll battle. You do not get to use this without battling. You do not get to use this. You do not get to build good things into your life for free. You don't get to do it. I want to emphasize the importance of cultivating this sword. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was teaching the Beatitudes. Many of you may have the Beatitudes in your house. But what was happening during that time is there was this kind of undercurrent that the kingdom of God was reserved for holy people. It was reserved for the priests and the scribes. Well, all the people who had broken lives, well, now what are they going to do? Look, my last name isn't Brady. I didn't come from the Brady bunch. Guess what? I don't drive uh, a, a Bentley. I I don't live uh, in there. I don't have that kind of a life. I I don't have, in fact, you know what? I'm a broken person. I'm a hurting person. My mom just died and I don't have the money to bury her. These were the people that Jesus was looking at. And so he's surrounded by all these people that are hurting. They're doing the best they can. 
just doing the best they can. But they're hurting. Some of them, with their relationship with God, they sincerely wish. I don't know if anybody here is like this. But they wished they were great worshipers, but they're not. They wished that they were holy, but they weren't. But they wish they were. They wish that they were righteous, but they weren't. But they're going to keep, they don't want anyone to know that. Anyone who's struggling with something, it's not like you want to know that. You know, people don't go public with their issues. It would be nice sometimes if they did. You know, if a single guy met a single woman, it would be nice if on the front of her t-shirt it said, don't hook up with me, I'm going to ruin your life. I'm going to make you so jealous, you're going to want to jump off a bridge. I'm going to drive you crazy. I don't ever shut up. I'm going to nag you from morning to night. You are never going to get a moment's rest if you marry me. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice, ladies, if you met a guy and on the shirt he says, Hey, how you doing, sweetheart? And he's swab and devonier and he hands you his business card and you read his business card. It says his name in the raised font and you flip it over and it says, Run! I am broke. I have no money. I am in debt and I'm going to take all of yours. I'm going to take your mind. some good music for that, Isaiah. I'm going to take all your money, all your mama's money, your inheritance. I'm the biggest jerk you'll ever meet. Wouldn't that be nice? I haven't had a job in five years. If you marry me, I'm going to get fired three times in the next six weeks. You're going to cook all the time. I'm going to do... What's that? Beep, 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 beep. What's that called? TV dinners. Only. And I'm going to expect rump roast from you. Wouldn't it be nice if people just came clean? I'm always late. I snore and I pass gas every time I lay down. There's some things you'd like to know on hello. Your Lord. So Jesus is looking out at all these people. And, and he has the ability to see their heart. He has the ability to see their soul. He has the ability to see where they really are. And so he decides, you know what? You guys are thinking that the kingdom is only for the highfalutin and the righteous priests. Because I've got a message for you. And what he does is he takes his relationship and he shows them how powerful it is. He looks out there and he says this, those of you that are poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is yours. He looks out there and he says, some of you are mourning in this room. You're mourning, your heart is broken. I just want you to know, all of you, just want you to know that You are going to be comforted. I am going to comfort you. Those of you that are meek and 
and you get lost in a room with the bigger personalities, I just want you to know, you will inherit the earth. Those of you that hunger and thirst for righteousness, I just want you to know, I see how hungry you are. I see how thirsty you are. You are going to be filled. He is giving them the ability to do what they'll never be able to do on their own just because they are connected to him. They're working their life to Gadath over here. These are responsibilities you got to do. You can't skip work and just pray all day. You're doing the best you can, but there's just some things you can't do without him. He looks out there even further and he says this. Some of you have been merciful. I feel the presence of God right here. Some of you have been merciful to people, but you have not received mercy in return. You have been kind to people, but you have not received kindness in return. says, you will have the mercy. Those of you that are pure in heart, you're going to see God. Those of you that are peacemakers, see, being a peacemaker is a lot different than being a peacekeeper. See, a peacekeeper is a passive-aggressive person that doesn't like conflict and will avoid a courageous conversation like the plague just to keep the peace. Don't tick them off. Don't make them mad. A peacekeeper says, well, hold on. You've crossed the line. That's a peacekeeper. The Lord says, those of you that are peacekeepers, you're going to be called the sons of God. And then he says, those of you that are being persecuted because you're doing the best you can. For righteousness sake, yours will be the kingdom of God. And all the priests and the highfalutin priests that were holier than thou were having dinner with the Pharisees. And the Lord looked at all the broken people and all the people that didn't have their life together. And he said... It's yours. And in return, we take our relationship and we hang on to it with everything we got. We do what we got to do during the day. And we take our responsibility serious. But we learn how to do both at the same time. 